This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. What I do is try and make people aware that where they are is okay that maybe right now they have to experience that pain, that loss, but that there is hope and the cross is that hope. And this isn't to be Pollyanna-ish, like, oh, everything's so wonderful, isn't it perfect? Oh, my suffering's nothing, blah de blah blah That's not what we're preaching. What we're preaching is that in the midst of this, there is something different. There is something beyond this. But I don't think you can preach that second part without having sat with the first. You have to point to the reality of the God of love, the God who is merciful and gentle, the God who has his arms wide open. That's what we need to do. Welcome to Preach, a podcast from America Media on the art of Catholic preaching. I'm your host, Ricardo de Silva, a Jesuit priest from South Africa, associate editor at America Media, and also an associate pastor at the Church of St. Francis Xavier in New York City. In each episode, we take you into the minds and hearts of some of the finest preachers in the Catholic Church. We listen to their homilies, learn what makes them great, and draw inspiration to keep preaching the good news. This week on Preach, I'm joined by Bruce Werther, a Jesuit priest and the pastor of Holy Trinity Catholic Church in the city center of Johannesburg. Welcome to Preach, Bruce. Hi, Ricardo. Thanks for having me. Bruce, you're one of my dearest friends. Tell me a little bit more about yourself. So despite my accent, I actually am South African. So I was born in Durban on the seaside, studied there, went to university, I ended up teaching for four years and then entered the society. Studied all over the world, did philosophy in London. I did my theology in Berkeley, California. And for the past 15 years, I've been working in parish ministry here at Trinity. But also I spent 10 years in Soweto, which is a historic township just outside Johannesburg. So it's it's really close to my heart. It's like where I spent the largest part of my priesthood. And really the epicenter of the apartheid struggle in South Africa. Yes. It's a very historic town. We actually have A Street, which has the homes of two Nobel Peace Prize laureates in it, Desmond Tutu and Nelson Mandela. So yes, certainly the epicenter of a lot of the anti-apartheid struggle. Wonderful. The readings you're preaching on for us are for the 32nd Sunday in Ordinary Time, Year A. Tell me, Mm -hmm. what reading are you focusing your homily on? So we've taken our reading from Luke's Gospel, and it's also one of those passages which it's come at the end of five discourses on end things, of being prepared. And so there's this series in Luke which is now preparing the reader for Now it is that moment of judgment, that moment where we are now accountable for how we've lived our life. 
This is also one of the lectionary readings which is suggested for funerals because it's like death. You can't kind of uh, tell when it's going to come just as you can't tell when the kingdom is coming. So you need to do what you can in order to be ready. So it's that whole genre that Jesus speaks into a lot. So Bruce, you're at Holy Trinity. It's a parish that's very dear to my heart. It's where I first met the Jesuits and where I worked for a large part of my formation. Won't you tell me a little bit about Holy Trinity? So Holy Trinity is a city center parish in Johannesburg, right next to a, a university. It's a focus of university ministry. So I'm the not only parish priest, but I'm also the chaplain to two universities. It's a, a mix of kind of young, old, rich, poor, black, white. So very multicultural. Great. Uh, it's one of those readings that can be a tricky one to preach on. And I look forward to hearing what you will do with it. We will now hear Bruce Werther's homily for the 32nd Sunday in Ordinary Time, Year A, especially recorded for Preach. In June of 1989, Solidarity, a Polish political party, won the national elections in Poland, leading to the dismantling of communism not only in Poland, but across all of Eastern Europe. For most people in Eastern Europe, the time between 1945 and 1989 must have felt a little like that long night spoken of by Jesus as the 20 maidens waited for the bridegroom to come to the feast. A long night, a difficult night and night filled with so much uncertainty. COVID is still fresh in the minds of many of us. I don't know a single person who was not affected by it. It is our long and dark night, a fearful waiting for the dawn and what a new day would bring. During the heart of the pandemic, I found myself working in the parish of St. Martin de Porus in Soweto. That time of pandemic and lockdown felt like we were sitting in the dark, waiting for the dawn, waiting for wisdom waiting for hope, waiting for a vaccine, waiting for restriction to be lifted so we could go back to a normal life again. It's easy for us to focus on the negative, on what we've lost. It's so easy to be consumed by our fears for the future. Our parish community was consumed with fear. The bills kept on coming. People just weren't there. Did our community have a future? Well, I had to ask myself, when will our brothers and sisters return to us? Will they return? It's very easy for us to sit in the darkness of our despair and wonder what will happen to our church community when the dawn that we long for finally breaks. During that period of, of COVID, the dawn that we longed for it's a return to a normal life, the life that we'd had before COVID. Now, maybe the dawn that you long for is a church which is truly synodal. And until that dawn comes, we wait, fearful, hopeful. I wonder if this fearful waiting for the coming of the dawn 
whatever your dawn is, isn't stopping us from living this moment fully. Take those ten wise and ten foolish maidens. Remember that both groups fell asleep. And when the foolish ones woke, it felt like a disaster because they had not been prepared. The only difference between the wise and the foolish is the wise had prepared. They'd planned for the unexpected and then were able to experience a certain peace or serenity, even in the face of the unexpected, in the face of what seemed to be a disaster. Wisdom, then, is not about knowing everything about the future, whether that future is good or bad. Wisdom is about spending the present moment, our waiting, well. We have a tendency to rush. We think we have to get things done. If we aren't busy, we think we're wasting time. But I think the real waste of time is how we rush through it. We think that we're active and achieving things. But in fact, we're not paying attention to this moment. And I rush to prepare for disasters that we imagine. The things not yet upon us. We are unprepared for the things which is right here, the things in front of us in this present moment. In the end, we acknowledge that our church will be different, either because of this pandemic or because of the synodal journey that Pope Francis has placed the church on. Different isn't good or bad, it's just different. And I think we need wisdom discernment and courage to prepare for that future. But we should not do it in a spirit of fear, with a busyness that stops us from being grateful for this moment, stops us from being uh, aware of God's presence amongst us in the here and the now. I'd like us all, all of us, just have a quiet and gentle conversation with God, but also conversations with one another about how we're experiencing the church and what the future of the church might look like and how we need to prepare for it, just as those ten wise maidens did. COVID forced us to become a much more technological church with masses and homilies online and via WhatsApp. Confirmation classes have been done online and through social media. Even though we'd been through a time of physical separation, we found ways of staying connected. We still needed, and still need, and relish the companionship of others. And that's something that we as church need to be planning for and paying more attention to in the future. Maybe the emptiness that we feel as we look around empty churches may end up being a blessing if it helps us to become better missionary disciples of Christ. The synodal process has been a bittersweet moment for many people. It shone a light into the dark corners of the church. We've seen fear, patriarchy, discrimination and closed-mindedness, clericalism and self-absorption. 
but we've also seen open hearts and generous spirits, the willingness to listen and openness to change. Yes, there are challenges, but God is with us. And so let's take a moment also for gratitude. This moment of gratitude, this one gift of another breath, this particular person before me, this chance to hope, this hour to believe. It is all now. Eternity is now. And God is with us. That was Bruce Buerter for Preach. After the break, Bruce shares with us how he preaches a message of hope during dark and uncertain times. Welcome back to Preach. Bruce, you started with a pretty powerful image, right? I mean, this idea of the fall of communism, but also the fear that surrounded people in that time before, this darkness. I mean, it's a heavy start to a homily. Why did you choose to start in that way? I think firstly, to grab people's attention, to set the tone. It's a, it's a great image. Uh, there's that sense of oppression and release, but also there's hope. I think it's quite a well-known situation. And I think it resonated with our own history in South Africa, that there is this time of darkness, a time of violence and oppression. But within that, there's this sense of waiting. Mm -hmm. And really, that's what this parable is about. There's a darkness, there's a, an anticipation, and, and it's drawn out, and then we fall asleep until finally that moment arrives. Mm. And I think that's also a a way of being prepared for the unexpected. And that darkness is a part of our history as it is a part of history, but that there are also times of light, right, and of hope. And so maybe normalizing the fact that it's okay to go through these dark periods in our own lives. And also the fact that the darkness can be so oppressive that we live in that fear. and. Living in that fear robs us of the grace of the moment. And that's also why I brought into it the stuff around synodality, mm -hmm. because this is also a moment for the church. I mean, for many people, the church has been at, in a time of, of darkness, however you want to define that, and whether it's around gender issues or human sexuality or patriarchy or sexual abuse. Yeah, I mean, you went everywhere in your homily, right? I mean, you, you went to many of the darkest places in people's lives and in the places in history. But because your homily is a pastoral moment, mm. how do you take people to that place? Like, how do you take people into the darkness of their experience, but then also lift them out of that and connect with the pastoral need to overcome fear? Well, I think there is the reminder that dawn will come. There is a, an inevitability to it. But when you're trapped in the darkness, it can be difficult to anticipate the dawn. So 
who would have thought that communism would fall? When we were in the midst of COVID, who would have thought that we'd actually be walking around without masks? Who would have thought that our Pope is open to the blessing of same-sex unions as long as it doesn't look like marriage? I mean, who would have thought that the church would be saying, well, maybe we need to look at the ordination of women deacons? Remember that when we were suffering, when there was a trial and tribulation, something came after that. And I think that's also kind of tying it into this month of the dead. It's also about how do we deal with people experiencing pain and loss and that kind of intimately personal devastation. So what role do you think preachers have, or as a preacher, what role do you have to lead people to that different place that you speak of? How do you do that? How have you learned to do that over the years of your ministry? I think by being with people where they are right now, acknowledging the, well, what I do is try and make people aware that where they are is okay. That maybe right now they have to experience that pain, that loss, but that there is hope and the cross is that hope. And this isn't to be kind of Pollyanna-ish, like, oh, everything's so wonderful, isn't it perfect? Oh, my suffering's nothing, blah de blah blah That's not what we're preaching. What we're preaching is that in the midst of this, there is something different. There is something beyond this. But I don't think you can preach that second part without having sat with the first. And I think it's also to acknowledge that so much of what does happen is terrible and not what God would want for us. Mm. When you're talking about presiding at a funeral for somebody who's committed suicide, and that situation for many Catholics, at least traditionally, it's like the unforgivable. And how do you give people kind of hope in that situation? I think you have to point to the reality of the God of love, the God who is merciful and gentle, the God who has his arms wide open. I think that's what we need to do. So it's, we don't minimize, we accept, and then we point towards something which is different, that kind of the breaking dawn, the love of God. That's our hope. Is there a particular technique that you've learned through your preaching that works to convey this hope or this it's okay? I suppose it's about, well, what I would do, what I usually do, is name the pain. Be honest about where this family is or where this individual is, whether it's about the loss of a loved one. Or if you're not preaching in, in that particular context, some kind of disaster has befallen the school community. I'm chaplain to a number of schools. So you'd say, well, this has happened and this is how it's affecting us. And we know that people are in pain right now and they're asking themselves all of these questions. But here is also what we need to think about. So I think it's really about you acknowledge, you don't try and hide or minimize. So I begin with reality. Mm. And then from reality, we go to a higher order of reality, which is God's reality. Mm. Bruce, I'm so grateful for this perspective because 
you've said this a few times now, but we're in the month of the dead, right? So we need that extra sensitivity to remember our beloved departed, to remember how real people's pain is, but also the promise of hope that we are given in Christ, in the cross, as you've put it. One of the things that has helped me immeasurably, and I'm sure I've told you this, but you said to me very early on in my ministry about funerals, that funerals are for the living, not for the dead. Mm -hmm. And that stayed with me forever. So thank you, first of all, for telling me that, and that has helped me so much in my preaching. But can you expound a little bit on that? Just, you know, what does that mean? And what does that mean for you as a preacher preaching at funerals or preaching in this month of November when we remember our beloved departed? Mm. Yeah, so what I mean by that is there are no magic words that you can say at the funeral which will make one blind bit of difference to the eternal destination of somebody who's dead. There's no miracle that's going to pull somebody out of purgatory and put them into the bliss of heaven just because you magically said the right words at a funeral. That doesn't happen. So in that sense, funerals are not to bring eternal life to the dead. I mean, that book is written. That's done. So that's why the funeral is for the people themselves, to both give comfort to those who are mourning, to help them deal with that sense of loss, to, I think, crack open maybe that dark shell that they're in. I mean, cracking open a window to just get in a little bit of light. There's the hope for the future that while it feels like this pain will last forever, God is actually here in this. So I think that's partly it. But also you're preaching to an audience, and that's where you want to say, are you prepared? This person has lived this life and they made a difference. And, well, hopefully you can say that. And that they've loved and have been loved. What about you? These wise virgins, they, they made uh, preparations, and their preparations enabled them to face that moment of crisis with some kind of peace and serenity. How will we face our own moment? What do we need to do? What kind of preparation do we need to do? And that's why I also uh, kind of really focus on, let's say the words that will express love, heal wounds, bring about reconciliation, bring life, raise people. Let's say those words now rather than regret not having said them when somebody dies or when we ourselves die. So I think there are a number of different audiences that you are trying to hit, inverted commas, during a funeral mass. Mm. So having gone to the dark place, as in this homily or at a funeral where you've spoken about people's pain and people's grief, how do you then create the space for a passage toward hope and light and the future? Hmm. I think both the poetry of the liturgy creates that space, whether it's the presidential prayers or the intercessions, music, homily, I think they all work together. Hmm to create, let's shall we say, space for an alternate future. I think that's a really good learning for all of our preachers, to remember that the homily doesn't have to be the only place for impact, right? That impact can be created 
in other moments in the liturgy and often more effectively than with words that we as presiders mm. bring to the liturgy. Yeah, and I think people don't get hope if you have to beat them over the head with it, if I can put it like that. Hope has to be as subtle as the, the first light of dawn. Mm. Well, I think that's a beautiful final line. Thank you so much. Thank you for coming on Preach, for helping us to navigate preaching in deep, dark, difficult times, uncertain times in our world. Thank you, Bruce. My pleasure. Thank you for listening to Preach. You can find the readings and a link to the transcript for the homily in our show notes. This podcast is made possible by the generous support of the Compelling Preaching Initiative, a project of Lilly Endowment, Inc. Preach is produced by me and Maggie Van Dorn. Frank Tewson is our audio engineer. He also designed the theme score and composed original music for the podcast. Sebastian Gomes is our executive producer. We recorded in the William J. Loeschert Studio in New York City. If you've heard a great homily recently or know a great preacher you'd like to recommend for this podcast, we'd love to hear from you. Just click the link in our show notes. We also ask if you have time and you're listening to us on Apple Podcasts or any of the podcast apps out there, that you take a moment to rate our podcast and leave us a review. You can also follow me on X and Instagram at RickDSSJ. That's R-I-C-D-S-S-J. And as always, just a reminder that American Media can deliver a new scripture reflection to your inbox every day. If you're already a digital subscriber, they're probably waiting for you in your inbox. If not, become a digital subscriber today for just $5.99 a month. It's the best way to support our work here on Preach. Just visit the link in the show notes. For America Media, I'm Ricardo De Silva. Until next time, keep preaching the good news. Thank you.